really don't know how to have healthy conversations. And, and right now, our political climate in our country is just prime example of, um, it's like we have to be binary in everything. You're either a Republican or a Democrat, and there's no room in the middle. You either think that one thing is right and the other is wrong, and there's no room for, for gray. And so there are a lot of hard and difficult conversations that we need to have, and we need to figure out how to have healthy versions of the conversation, including recognizing that the other side brings value. People always ask me, they're like, they're like, oh, so, you know, I don't like this because it's too bitter or, you know, the bitterness and the astringency conversation that comes up with coffee and tea all of the time. Well, bitterness is what creates the body of a beverage, especially. So without bitterness, that body would not exist. And so it, there's an element to this thing that I'm relating the bitterness to tension in conversation or in conflict that creates the body. It embellishes the experience in a way that's actually necessary, that it serves a complete purpose. And without it, it would be lackluster. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is David Gaines. Hi, guys. Mary Allard here. So excited to be um, on our first podcast. Yes. So welcome to the Third Place Podcast. Uh, this is a podcast exploring the tools of business that deepen our human connection. And what we mean by that is there's a lot of different businesses that allow space for us to all connect. So I'm the owner of a coffee roastery in Cincinnati called La Terza Coffee, and we supply independent coffee shops uh, throughout our region. Most people who come to us that want to open a coffee shop absolutely have a passion for coffee, but their driving passion for opening a shop is uh, most often, how do I create safe place for people to have dialogue in my community? And through that time, we've kind of helped them. And, and really, yes, we roast coffee, but we've almost become a business consultant for that style of business. Um, really looking at lots of different business aspects, lots of social aspects, just how to even set up your space so that it, it can be inviting and welcoming for people that want to have conversation. Uh, what does it look like to bring uh, guests in to actually lead a dialogue around conversation? You know, as I meet with people and we start to unpack why they want to start a coffee shop, almost every single time they get into, uh, we just don't know how to talk to each other in our society. And, and when we call that out and we recognize it, I can see physically just even people's shoulders just slump down and say, yeah, we don't. And, and we really need to work on that. So that's, that's uh, my background with uh, what led me to even being thinking about creating a podcast for this kind of business. And it doesn't have to be just coffee shops or tea houses, but I've seen many styles of businesses open in our community that are just trying to figure out how do they support better conversations? How do they support better connections? Even how to support uh, and create better team culture within um, regular everyday businesses. So uh, those are topics that I hope to explore through the time on this podcast. Yeah, David and I originally connected um, first as business partners. I'd consider myself a consultant to him in regards to bringing specialty tea into his space and for him to be able to then distribute that to other businesses that he was working with. But 
the reason why we connected so quickly was that we, the depth of our relationship revolved around exactly what we're going to touch on today, which is having conversations that were beyond the, the product, beyond the selling of coffee or the selling of tea or the selling of any goods or service. And it was really more about creating that safe space as David has, has just touched on and really encouraging and creating a space for dialogue that felt like a container. And so David also really briefly touched on everything that um, most business owners have heard of at one point, which is, you know, the why and the motivation behind starting things. And we plan to dive into that in a future podcast, but for the time being, the goal of this podcast right now is to really explore and define the third place and why we chose that for our our name of our podcast and sort of the umbrella with which we want to work within it always and that it's it's the root of where we're going to come from and we hope to define this as best as we can now knowing that it's it's a workable definition and it's a workable topic just as, as conversation and dialogue is in this time, especially. And we're really excited and super eager to try to create business and business tools as a, as a method for this and hope that you as a listener can walk away with even one golden nugget to inspire that spark within other people and those that you relate with and those that you support in your community. Yeah. So I want to just briefly um, look at the definition or why we came up with the name, the third place. There is some history around that. Often I think of coffee shops as third places and what that is and what, how I would define that is it's, it gets its name because it's not your home. It's not your work. But here's this third place, kind of like a community living room where people can come and gather. So we gather at our home, we gather our work, but here's this third place that we gather. Now, we certainly want to think about the third place as a safe place for all kinds of dialogue. And our world has evolved and changed. And even now with COVID-19, we're connecting in more ways and digitally than we ever have before. Um, and human connection is looking differently and will continue to look radically different as we look into the future. So there are lots of ways that we can create these safe places for dialogue and safe places for human connection. But that's just the kind of the history of the meaning behind this idea of the third place where we can really just create safety. Uh, the name Laterza actually the coffee roastery that it's Italian and that um, the direct translation is the third. So that's, that, that's some of our business history with that as well. And coffee is just, a drink, tea is the same way, wine is the same way, beer. Um, there's just something that connects all of us. When you think of coffee, it's grown in different regions around the world and many, many hands at the farm level have touched this coffee, then it's imported, then it goes to a coffee shop and the barista and the training involved and the roaster. So there's so many different variables and so many different hands that touch all the stages of the coffee to make this amazing drink, which then when served with someone is another version of connection. You know, there's a reason why when we're meeting someone for the very first time, or even someone who uh, we have a close relationship with, we'll do it over a cup of coffee uh, at a coffee shop or a glass of wine or a cup of tea. 
Yeah, um, I mean, wouldn't David, wouldn't you say that most third places would be revolved around some sort of beverage? It's going to the coffee shop to meet your friend. It's going to have happy hour or have a mocktail. But it, I'd say that there's a common theme with beverage, no question. And absolutely. beverage people unite. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, there is just something really magical that happens. So all of those ingredients that produce all of these beverages that we're talking about, whether it's the vinter or the brewmaster or the farmer that grew the hops, like there's just this human connection even in producing to then come together in a place to share a drink over. So, yeah, and to, to appreciate that craft and yeah. to consume the craft. And then, you know, like myself, I feel like I'm always trying to put to bring the third place into like small little bits at home. I, right now, as I'm sitting here, I can see three cups within one foot of me. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so uh, yeah, to, it, it beverage is definitely, I'd say a binding factor or an element to this third place that we're, we're referring to. And it's a personal passion of both David and myself. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, we really need to unpack this now more than ever. There was a USA Today study from a couple years ago, and, and the data still continues to be true. Lots of studies around this right now, but, but the loneliness rates in our country are just astronomically high. Um, and a lot of new pieces are kind of coming to light. Like normally our elderly generation are the most lonely, but from a study in 2018, the one that kind of set off all the alarms and bells was that um, those that were aged 18 to 22 have more loneliness are tested to be more lonely than our elderly. That mm -hmm. was the first time that that young of an age group tested more lonely than our elderly population. And loneliness well, so, is a big deal. I mean. Right. It's just, it's just so telling too in, in the other crisis right now of just mental right. health and overall mental wellness or lack thereof within that age group and the, the crisis of this completely new segment of education and business that is revolving around trying to remedy and prevent the mental health crisis within those young adults, especially with how it's impacting the schools and, and other, other rates that are really pretty challenging to absorb, like, like even suicide. Right. And that's actually like we're starting this podcast in part because of COVID-19 and this was a way that we could just unpack topics now more than ever and one of them including the fact that prior to everything going on pre-COVID we were seeing rising rates in loneliness. Now you know I know so many extra mm -hmm. friends that are truly depressed truly. And, I'm, and I'm very concerned uh, right. you know, about their their health, their, their mental health is directly related to their physical health. And, and it's, it's surfaced old patterns. I think a lot of people are experiencing a sense of regression right now where there's only so much that you can do to take on as much change as we are experiencing right now with COVID. And so it's natural to, to kind of become a bit more childlike in your coping skills. And also things can surface that maybe our different traumas from from when you were younger and so the time is now for sure it couldn't be more prime time to have to start the discussion around third place and and safe space and connection and supporting loneliness but also 
wanted to share that both David and myself are parents of young children too. So this is, you know, we both have really young children at home right now. And to be able to start this conversation when we're also rearing those that are in the new, in the new way with so much technology and, and so on is really exciting for me to be a part of that and to have the conversation around it and see how I can be that much more of an impactful parent personally as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think one of the things when I think about where we're at and what led us to loneliness, you know, as the data was coming out where the youngest people are more lonely than ever before or any other segment of the population, immediately everyone went to mobile phones and social media as the root cause of that. Some data did support that, but other data supported that, you know, there's plenty of people in that age group that are not engaged in social media and they were also testing lonely. So that's, you know, that's not a complete answer. Another thing I think is we really don't know how to have healthy conversations. And, and right now our political climate in our country is just prime example of, um, it's like we have to be binary in everything. You're either a Republican or a Democrat and there's no room in the middle. You either think that one thing is right and the other is wrong and there's no room for, for gray. And so there are a lot of hard and difficult conversations that we need to have and we need to figure out how to have healthy versions of the conversation, including recognizing that the other side brings value. You know, No matter what, I personally can only bring a white, male, middle-class American perspective to any conversation. So as I meet new people or have met new people, just a mental practice that I always try to engage with is whenever I meet someone new, there's going to be a huge new perspective that I get to gain if I come into that conversation and new relationship with an openness that I don't have all the answers. You know, yeah, and I'm, but- I'm pretty opinionated yeah. and, I have, and there's a reason why I have my opinions, but I also have to assume that I'm wrong uh, just because we all have such limited perspectives. Right, right. Yeah, the assumption that people, though, come with conscious listening is probably one of the hardest skills that I workshop every single day of my life. So being able to say, you know, oh, well, I'm only coming from this lens. But if you don't have an awareness of that lens to begin with, then that's, that's just the first step, yeah, I would say. I studied psychology, and that's because I really want to have self-awareness. In every experience, my immediate response is, oh, cool, now I can understand this person better. And now I can feel a sense of empathy for them rather than just sympathy and and sort of a, a trying to understand. And I think that there's still power in the sympathy and that you don't necessarily need empathy to connect on a deeper level. But our goal is to really see, okay, how can we, how can we dive into supporting people and finding more and more self-awareness? Because I think self-awareness is the key to truly understanding and tapping into a compassionate response, which is saying, Hey, here's my lens. Here's your lens. They both provide space. And without the other, the other wouldn't exist without, without the opposite of anything there would be no such thing as the opposite. So there, there is intention behind diversity and intention behind seeing one thing, one perspective and the other perspective being completely opposing because without that, if there was just one way, then, then that would be the only way. Right. Right. Yeah. And Mary, you and I connected a lot just because we've always were in leadership roles. Right. And uh, I think that that was a question that you and I would ask just, 
whether it be in conflict or just as the team was developing, mm. you know, seeing how other people responded, but taking a moment to realize, well, this is how I responded and this is why I responded in that way. And whether positive or negative is not really the point, but knowing who you are and what makes you tick and what motivates you and all of those things are just super critical in being a better leader and connecting with For them. sure. Yeah. David and I are, are usually always coming from a place of how we can be more more compassionate leaders, better servant leaders, uh, more conscious leaders, and those that can be sort of setting the vibration for a more progressive way of propelling individuals and teams and the collective forward in a way that is productive. So that's definitely been a binding aspect of David and I's friendship and is going to inspire a lot of the conversations we have too. And, you know, even another sneak peek is that we're going to dive into some of those tools that we use to understand teams that we work with or that we lead and colleagues that we work with and, and how that can really trickle into how you relate with your partner at home or your sibling or your family member or your neighbor and just that there's no conversation that that we're going to have that revolves around business that can't be actually applied to personal relationship and and action as well. Yeah. Now, when you apply these principles, uh, this came up with just some team members of our organization. You know, I would hope that we embrace things like healthy dialogue and healthy conflict resolution so much so that in if you work for us, that it actually helps you to have a better relationship at home with your significant mm -hmm. other. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it all just serves every aspect of life. And you probably will all hear me say a thousand times the word holistic. So that's the, I use that word, not from a place of, of holistic medicine where it's used most frequently, but more so from a all-encompassing perspective where you take the the bigger picture in mind and you understand how even the most small actions or small thoughts or small feelings impact the the greater lens that you're you're seeing things through so that is something that I'll probably use often because I think that that's just me referring to a collective perspective cool well, I think one other framework that has been helpful through walking with teams and, and leadership is, and even unpacking where this loneliness come from or, or the lack of healthy conversations. Uh, one of the things I've seen that we've done as an American society is interchange the words conflict and fighting mm. without realizing that they're very different words. Right. Fighting means that we disagree and we cannot work through our disagreements, whereas conflict means we disagree, but we're working through our disagreements, which is very, very healthy. Relationships are better when we go through that process. Conflict ultimately is good. It's not fun, it's not easy. It certainly is hard. But when we start with dialogue and we start with this idea that conflict is good and healthy, rather than something to avoid and run away from, I think that that's a foundational issue with trying to get to healthier dialogue. Yeah, I would agree. And, and I always like to tell people that I uh, welcome and like conflict and have gotten a lot of responses that are like, what? Yeah. 
<laughs> but I was raised in a family where I'm the youngest of five siblings and we would have family meetings every week where we would actually put it all out on the table. So that's all I've ever known is sort of the, like I got desensitized to the discomfort of those conversations. And I think that that's a, a big piece of what we'd like to encourage is just that it does take practice and exposure, a lot of this stuff and those that can meet you there so that it's not a traumatic response to something that can be healthy, but more of a, more of a gentler response. So, you know, finding those people that you can have healthy conflict with can, can then help you redefine and assimilate. And instead of feeling like it is fighting and feeling like uh, each person is coming with an agenda rather than, you know, what about the agenda of the collective? And that that's really what we're going to lean into is that really conflict has gotten a bad rap and it has a bad connotation. And in fact, it is just like exercising a muscle and that it might be painful, but that it comes back a bit stronger and a little bit easier. And, and then it starts to be, it starts to be a little bit addictive. I hate to use that word. I'm trying to think of a better word than addictive, but you start to feel less, uh, there's less avoidance there. So it's almost like you're, you're more like water, you're going with the flow. And it's like you, when you meet a, when you meet a rock or you meet a, a, some sort of obstacle or boundary that is a opportunity for having healthy conflict, then you, you face it and you move through it rather than around it. Yeah. You know, really like Mary, you and I, our friendship, it's not like we've had conflict just right. on ideas all the time. It's not ever been something contentious. Like conflict doesn't have to be like, like what? Blows are off. Here we go. Yeah. But, but you're it, saying that we've had a lot of conflict. Well, good to know. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, offline conversation. Apparently. No, they, uh, yeah. So, but in a good way, like we ask for feedback. Well, what is that? That's a version of conflict, yeah. Right. And, right. you know, poke holes in my ideas, poke holes in how I see this. So, and that's an example of inviting conflict in, but you know, the more you use the muscles, the more you comfortable you feel with asking that kind of question. Totally. Totally. I, I am, uh, I think that if we were all able to feel a sense of safety, a sense of feeling like that third place comes with us where the major theme is safety so that we can yeah. bring our full authentic self and we can bring our full authentic opinions and disagreements and concerns and really exciting ideas too. I mean, I think sometimes we even filter and hold back excitement. So sometimes that, you know, to me, it's just all a transfer of energy. And so if we can work through the transfer of energy, even if there's a bit of, of tension there and that can be an element of conflict, it doesn't have to be, right? but it can be that can serve purpose and it, you know, actually to bring it back to like a, a beverage sort of analogy, because, you know, we're coffee and tea people. People always ask me, they're like, they're like, oh, so, you know, I don't like this because it's too bitter or, you know, the bitterness and the astringency conversation that comes up with coffee and tea all of the time. Well, bitterness is what creates the body of a beverage, especially. So without bitterness, that body would not exist. And so it, there's an element to this thing that I'm relating the bitterness to tension in conversation or in conflict that creates the body. It embellishes the experience in a way that's actually necessary. 
but it yeah. serves a complete purpose. And without it, it would be lackluster. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a great analogy. That was cool. I know that you've done a lot of work in terms of conflict resolution. And I think you said the key ingredient so clearly, it's safety. You know, if we right. have to create safe places to have the good conflict. Obviously, you know, we can have bad conflict and, and bad boundaries and all those kinds of things, but safety is the key to, to get that kind of started. Well, safety is a common theme throughout with so many different studies around what creates the best teams, what creates the best relationships. And in psychology, it's also, you know, one of the, the basic needs in the hierarchy. So it's a common theme and it's an essential theme. And otherwise, we're all coming from, you know, especially right now, when you're coming from a place of, of fear, typically what is a result of that is, is a fear response, which is the fight or flight response. So there's so much out there that shows that productivity just goes down dramatically when there's a lack of safety because you're responding from a place of survival. And I mean, there's a lot of it that is just biological too, that is out of our control. It's definitely within our awareness capacity, but there are responses that have been built in, and you know, I tend to believe that this can be something that David and I have spoke about too, that is even generational and genetically that your body responds in a way that you may have awareness of, but a little bit less control. And so there are tools to sort of work through that as well. Yeah, yeah. Cool, well, you will definitely, unpack that even more um, in an upcoming podcast. I want to hear what you have to say. Go a little bit deeper dive. We love talking about conflict. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so odd. When, uh, it, well, that's because it's good. Um, <laughs> I think one other framework, just as we think about uh, future episodes, that has been helpful as I explore uh, socially minded businesses. Uh, one framework that I give coffee shop owners or managers is this level of human connection and that there's kind of five buckets that we all connect. The first would be intimate where you, you know, obviously super close relationship, significant other. The second would be personal. This is where your like best friend would fit in or just really good friends, your social network. Again, maybe these are people that were in your class or just are good friends that you see on a regular basis your public level of connection. Maybe these are people that you went to college with or you live in the same city. And then this new bucket. So we have intimate, personal, social, public. We really have this newer bucket called digital, you know, where we connect in these new online spaces. And, and really when we think of just human history or even 10 years ago, it's so radically different than it is now going through right. COVID, connecting digitally is going to be very, very different. And lots of new norms are coming right now. So once we get to the other side of this, uh, this digital space of connection is, is really going to be uh, fascinating. But yeah, one piece, I, go ahead. Just to say, just something that came up for me that was funny while you were laying out these levels of connection, it makes me think of like, your wedding invite list. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like the first layer is like the non-negotiables. Like, of course, you're going to invite your immediate family. The next is like, okay, yeah, first layer of friends that like you're really super close with. They're your best friends. And then you're like, okay, are we going to go into the, the third layer, which is more of that social connection? Maybe it's your, your boss or your colleague that you see sometimes or you're somewhat connected to. And then 
maybe you're really more connected to society and potentially famous. And so you invite the public or you screen it or do something interesting. And then there's there, the digital sort of comes in. But I would say that something that I've learned is that the digital response, you know, these alerts that we get, we're getting a little bit of a false sense of connection Mm -hmm. from the digital layer, which does the same thing biologically. It can create actually more of a stress response so it's triggering connection, but it's doing, it's less satiating. Right. And so there's a lot of connection in the digital space happening that I think that we're going to probably dig into this, I'm sure, yeah. um, a lot more. But, and by satiating, I mean, it's like, you know, when you have a really good, something you were really craving and you eat it and it just was super satisfying and it satiated what you needed health-wise to that is far different than when you're craving something and you have to sort of just have an apple because that's all you have available to you. So the digital space is interesting and has positive and negative impacts. And I think that we're faced with that right now, especially with COVID and trying to navigate all of the blessings of this connection that we wouldn't have had in pandemics Uh and history but also the impact on the nervous system and how that actually, how it's actually being absorbed and translated into your body. Right. Yeah. And how they practically lay themselves out. Uh, You know, and obviously all these spaces are based on time, right. You know, and they're fluid too. Like, you know, my college roommate and I, he were, he and I were very close. We went to high school together. We went to college together. You know, we're not in an intimate space now, but there was a period in our times when we were. Right, the ebb and flow. Right? right. So if we go camping, and which we do, you know, every couple of years, it takes a good day or two, but we can find ourselves back into that intimate space because we used to be there. So there's mm-hmm. a there is this fluidity amongst them, but it is all based on time. And I think that we also like look at them through a digital connection. You know, so Mary lives in Colorado. I live in Ohio. If the digital avenue didn't exist, we wouldn't have a friendship. Right. So. So there are some really great aspects to the digital as well. We just have, it's the whole key, I think really is balancing it out. This is not harder and faster by any means, but I think a healthy ratio to think through is like for every one intimate relationship, you might have two personal, you would have four social and eight public. And then I don't know, digital is just so new and big. I don't know what the right number is, but it just seems like that there's kind of this ratio that, is a healthy target, depending Do on you, your personality. Have you seen that the feature on mini phones that it can show you how many times you've picked up your phone? I have not. <laughs> I almost wish that I could, maybe it'll just be a teaser and I'll share it next time and I'll try to find it because it's startling the number, at least for me personally. And so, you know, it's almost like that, what those numbers you just gave the one, two, four, eight, it's going to be exponential in how many times you get a notification or you pick up your phone or like, to me, I see it as like, I'm two things, a habit. And then the other thing that maybe I'm seeking connection and that, um, and that that's serving that. And so, yeah, it's, it's an insane number. I mean, uh, (laughs) yeah. Don't, don't they say that you get that like dopamine hit when you're texting? Yeah. Yeah. And then you pick it up. Why hasn't this person texted me back yet? Yeah. (laughs) Either way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like these, 
I think the, that context helps to just frame up that it's not a fast rule or anything or a hard rule, but it just helps to kind of give some level of context. And the other thing I think is important, this is why we uh, explore this with our coffee shop owners, even our baristas when we do barista training. One isn't necessarily more important than the other. I know a lot of people that are bent more on the introvert scale that they really thrive in the intimate and personal relationships and don't do well in the public digital spaces. And that person can really struggle with loneliness. And then lots of people, again, just as digital is new, really thrive in the public space and digital space. They have a thousand friends on Facebook, but have no intimate relationships. So that person really struggles with intimacy or just the, that feeling of loneliness. So it's not that one space is more important than the other necessarily, or maybe it is, but each space is truly important. So that barista that gets to know the name of a, a customer and their favorite drink, um, knowing the name is not about a dollar in the tip jar, knowing that name and saying hello to someone might be the thing that helps fill that person up. You know, think of text message and that dopamine hit that we just talked about, that's, you know, multiplied by, you know, 10 for the barista that knows someone's name. Well, and I mean, this just brings up to me, it's less about the, you know, compartmentalizing whether you're doing a personality test to try to understand or any compartmentalizing, like, you know, the fact that we're going to talk about tools, that's compartmentalizing. It's just a way to understand, but they all serve a purpose. I also would argue though, too, that this comes back to the self-awareness conversation that if you, if you understand that you're very extroverted and that you are someone that fills your cup energetically by going to a music festival, for example, because it's a large group and intimate space is maybe makes you feel a little bit too vulnerable, but you're still also getting fed by being within community in some capacity. Or if you're someone that really thrives on, on connecting digitally because you can sit with yourself and you can think about what you're going to say next. I think it, yeah, they all serve a purpose, but it comes back to just an understanding of like what serves you and what fills you up and, and less of what depletes you or setting boundaries around those that deplete you. Yeah, that's a really great point. Well, cool. So I think that that's, that's really the framework that I wanted to talk through, just the history yeah. of the third place, the, the importance of conflict when you look at it from a, a different perspective, that we really just need this now more than ever because of loneliness, because we, I, I mean, I look forward to a day when we can really have conversations around gender gap and, and actually make, we're, we're, I mean, we're all working towards trying to fill the gap uh, or bridge the gap, but you know, to create that many more safe places around true dialogue and true results, you know, and then just these different levels of relationship has been for me a really good framework to help other people think through their business model and, and ultimately how all businesses can, mm -hmm. can do this. Every business touches somebody. You could be a web developer, you could be a, a restauranteur, you could be a graphic designer, you could be an architect. These principles and understanding this framework can really be applied in, in every one of those kinds of businesses as well. Well, and how, how interesting right now that we're in a time where everyone's had to pivot how they connect. Most of David and I's experiences within small business, so it, it's less corporate space centered. We're, we're trying to sort of infuse that that way a little bit more into the corporate space, I'd say that that's something we're both passionate about. But now you're seeing, you know, we can speak to coffee shops moving a lot of their options 
digitally so that they can still remain connected with their community or those digital ones are trying to, uh, you, you know, we're seeing a lot of ads right now that are bringing in the intimacy within companies that are really based in the digital space, but trying to bring that intimacy in where you're seeing commercials where people are talking about like how you can still connect intimately despite the boundaries or the constraints that we're dealing with now. So it's pretty cool that we can be in this really intense time right now and be talking through it and understanding it in a whole new light than we would have had the pandemic never surfaced. Yeah. Well, cool. Cool. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We're really excited just to share parts of our journey to get to know you through this digital platform and this digital space. Yes. Uh, and continuing to explore lots of topics. I know that for me, um, I'm excited about the opportunity to learn as well. I know yep. that this will spark lots of other conversations and feedback, and I can't wait to hear the wisdom from the collective that's out there. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And I mean, we are ready to take what we dished out regarding conflict. So, <laughs> so uh, it's important to us to get a lot, a lot of feedback and to work through that with you guys as we are learning how to have dialogue in a way that is productive and fun to listen to and, you know, whatever it's going to evolve. So we're really grateful and super stoked. Great. But we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Catch you later.